Hello, and welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. Today's episode is a best of, featuring conversations we've had on this podcast with the following guests. Appearing in order on today's podcast is Clara L. Lapner, Wendy Ward, Dave Usum, Cynthia Rand, and Donna Vogel. get your take on peer mentoring. And I know it, it certainly um, is in the calculation here because you have the team distributed mentoring model. Have you found it um, a challenge to make um, faculty more comfortable with, or is it kind of an organic situation where faculty can recognize that their own peers that are, that are just you know, a, a minute ahead of them in the career ladder or have been at Columbia, you know, six months longer or a year longer, or even if they came in together, do you find that that is kind of um, a no brainer that, yeah, I recognize that my peers can also mentor me, even though they're the same rank as me, or maybe they don't have as, as many degrees as I do, but that there's something that ev- there's wisdom in the group that can really like shift your way of thinking. I'm always curious that sometimes I feel like when I say things about peer mentoring, faculty will look at me like, well, why in the world would I ever uh, want to meet with people who are my same rank? That's kind of defeating the purpose. I Why would you talk to somebody? It's like getting marriage advice from somebody who's been a lifelong single person. Like, like what's the point? Right. Why would you talk to somebody about how to raise your kids and they've never had kids? I wouldn't trust that source, right? So can you just talk a minute about that experience for you or that you see with young faculty, junior faculty particularly? Are they comfortable? Are they uncomfortable with that? Do they get that? They do. Um, peer mentoring models have been very successful and popular, actually, um, at the Columbia Medical Center. We, we've had um, a lot of luck with that. We've actually offered a number of facilitated peer mentorship uh, programs for our women faculty who were on specific uh, career paths, and those were very well received. And um, what's funny about that and really a great unintended outcome was that some of the women faculty who were involved in those programs actually developed their own peer mentoring groups within their departments or some um, even created them in interdisciplinary settings and included residents and students. And the model has actually really grown. We just uh, last week ended up finishing a program that we that our office co-sponsored with a group of uh, KL2 scholars who had developed their own peer mentoring group, and um, we helped them facilitate a larger programmatic peer mentoring group that extended to the whole medical center that specifically focused on how to survive COVID right now as a researcher and as a clinician. And um, we just learned that there were additional groups of faculty who attended that program who have now created their own peer mentoring groups. So it's, it's interesting. We've, we've had a lot of success with that, um, particularly with women faculty. We've been um, developing uh, versions of that as well for diverse faculty. And we're in the process of developing one for um, our LGBTQ faculty as well. Oh, wow. But it's, it, it is a really wonderful model to focus 
um, to, that provide psychosocial support in ways that you might not get from other models of mentoring. And I think it's also, um, in many ways, it's less formal. It can also help develop a, a brave space for people to really talk about issues that they might not feel comfortable with talking about in other settings. So it, it, it's been, I think it's a very good model of mentoring. And we've, um, we've been developing it for junior faculty, mid-career level faculty, and senior faculty as well. And interestingly, I think it's particularly relevant for senior faculty as well when they don't have a group of mentors who are more senior to them to provide them with guidance. So it can be an important model for those at that career stage as well. Professional wellness tips. Now, there are some mentor-mentee relationships that you will not feel comfortable opening up about this particular area. But as a mentor myself, I feel uh, obligated to bring this up with my mentees because if we are not somehow providing advice, counsel, tips, and tools for how to make it through this wonderful uh, career in academic medicine, we're doing a disservice given the high degree of stress and uh, potential for burnout. And so if your mentor hasn't brought it up and you want to have that conversation and feel comfortable in that particular relationship, I would really encourage you to ask them, what do they do to manage the stress of the job? And do do they have any suggestions for you? Mm -hmm. You might also talk with them specifically about balancing childcare, for instance, or elder care. Be more specific in your ask, how do I manage a really busy clinical schedule? And still engage in scholarly work. All of those questions, whether broad or specific, can really pull for that kind of content in your mentor-mentee conversation. Yep. Number nine, I love this one. Always spend some time asking, what am I not asking you that I should know? What am I forgetting? Ah. Because... We may have a blind spot there, too. You know, um, ask them for what they think we should really be working on now. Uh, And sometimes you can be really surprised by the answers. I never thought about that. What have I not asked you that I should have asked you? (laughs) That is such a great question. They probably probably look at you like, what what do you mean? Um, Or or maybe actually... (laughs) Yeah, thinking, well, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that you didn't ask me about the, the budget or that big political thing that happened that may affect the way this is going to, you know, the leadership structure is going to be. I'm kind of surprised you didn't ask me about that. Um, so, yeah, that's exactly. really cool. And if you don't ask, they might not bring it up. They might feel like you know enough about that or you would have asked. <laughs> so good thing to do. And then number 10, and this is really one thinking about the ending of a mentor-mentee relationship, I certainly know I had mentors at certain stages in my career that were not just impactful, but crucial to my development. And and yet the mentor-mentee relationship didn't survive long periods of time. It was there in the right moment. And then um, we ended up going separate ways. Or there's others that I've had for decades that continue to be useful. Uh, Sometimes that mentor-mentee relationship drifts from that into colleagues and supportive colleagues. So whatever is happening toward the end of your mentor-mentee relationship, um, or even if you're just um, passing a milestone like promotion, I would spend some time thanking them and really highlighting what it is about their mentorship for you 
that was extra helpful that helps guide them as they build their own mentor skills. Uh, but also it's kind of a nice thing to do for someone who spent a significant amount of time and energy mm-hmm. helping you with your career. Mm-hmm. So I would thank you. And then I would think about when you're ready, paying it forward, working with mentees of your own in the next step down in the career path. So if you're early career, mentor fellows. If you're mid-career, mentor early career. Help them through the steps that you have just mastered. You'll be highly adept at coming up with tips and tools if you've just gone through that situation. Saying no is important because sometimes uh, the thing that is being requested of you it does not comport with either your values or religious tenets or your focus or your mission. And so being able to say no to your mentor, I think, is another one of the, the things of, of getting comfortable with it. So I, I often quote Gandhi when I do this part about saying no, which is a, a no uttered with deepest conviction is far more valuable than a yes merely to please. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Thing, how to say no and, and right. doing it in a way that shows your integrity That's right. rather than you know, just being difficult, yeah. I think is an important important rule that mentees have to learn. You're right. You mentioned the JFLP, which stands for the Junior Faculty Leadership Program. And we also talk about, you know, when you say no to something, you're saying no to one thing. But when you say yes to that one thing, you're potentially saying no to many other things. Because now you've taken on something else And that's shifting priorities. And now the things that you were, that were mission centric to you are, are being realigned and maybe, you know, inappropriately so. So it's so important that we have to practice that saying no and being comfortable, being polite, maybe, you know, no, not now. Because yeah, you say no to this. It's you're saying no to one thing now, maybe not, you know, forever, but just now. But if you say yes, you may end up saying, inadvertently saying no to a lot of other things that are more important. Exactly. So these are great, uh, 10 great tips, and um, I've written them down. Be proactive, build a committee, know your mission, set goals and timelines, set a schedule, create an agenda and send that in advance, practice reflective listening, summarize like the day after or after the meeting and send it bullet points to the mentor, express appreciation and say no and learn how to say no. Awesome. Those are the, those are my, my 10 mentee rules. (laughs) 10 mentees rules, mentee rules, debuts. Oh yeah. Those are classic. You know, I think in, in, in selecting your mentor, understanding their history of mentoring is really important. You know, the, the best predictor of a successful mentoring relationship going forward is selecting a mentor who has a history of successful mentoring relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, that can also lead to m- mentors who have a lot of mentees and, and getting their time and being able to get on their radar can be a little bit challenging. So if you find yourself in a situation where you have for reasons either scientifically or otherwise that you are selecting a a more experienced senior mentor, there may be that you do want to 
to supplement that, that you may want to have others who can complement it. Conversely, if you are in a situation where you're excited about the opportunity of working with a junior faculty, they're typically more available. So let's say you're a new assistant professor, and there may be an associate professor who's got their R01 funding, and they're excited and pursuing a new area. That individual may have more time, may be more personally engaged. They certainly will have fewer mentoring commitments and may be able to give you more of their attention. Again, in that instance, if your primary mentor is junior, identify a senior person who can speak from more experience, who may have more influence nationally, and and particularly if you're writing a K award, adding them into the mentoring team can make that K more competitive. So uh, I think... It's ideal if you you know if you if you have one person who's all things and covers all the bases, well, that's great. But most of us find that it it actually takes a, a several people and a team to to support our career development. The last point is evaluation, and that's really essential for closing the loop. What do I mean? Well, take a look at the word. The root of evaluation comes from the word value. It's how we put value on performance, on productivity, all those things that count when you're trying to get ahead in life. And there's little point to setting expectations for people unless we know how well they're meeting those expectations. You know, what's the point? Why say these are the things that you should be doing if we're not measuring how well they measure up. So we have a problem. Evaluation has a bad image. It has a bad reputation. There's that dread of the annual performance review. There's that that existential terror. But guess what? You cannot get recognition. You cannot advance. You cannot get ahead unless there is documentation. You're not going to get awards. You're not going to get promotions. You're not going to become known unless someone is noting our accomplishments. Right. So it's a necessity. We have to be measured. We have to be evaluated because without it, we can't point to our accomplishments and say, look at this. I'm this good. Right. So the mentor's responsibility is to provide both formal evaluations, and most places require that, but also regular informal feedback to prevent problems from starting wherever that's possible and to deal with those that do develop before they cause a lot of damage. It is the mentee's responsibility to understand that there's a need for evaluation, to not see it that something that's arbitrarily imposed on them just because it's the rule, but it's there for a reason, because otherwise no one will know how excellent you are. And to accept reasonable feedback constructively and respond accordingly. And the last thing I want to say about that is, again, a personal soapbox issue of mine. Mentoring ability really should be part of how mentors are evaluated. Mm. Mm. 
because that way you get into the opposite of a vicious cycle. You get into a virtuous cycle of what will eventually be more and more mentoring success. I love that virtuous cycle versus vicious cycle. I love that. Yeah, vicious cycles are just kind of spiral out of into nowhere, and they're awful. A virtuous cycle. You know what I really like about this whole snippet, Donna, is your focus on this responsibility and expectation. And all those four categories that you're talking about involving visibility, communication, employability, evaluation, I kept looking up at the, at the, the graphic, this little matrix that you made me draw, and I looked at the responsibility and expectation every time. And gosh, if we were to upfront make sure everyone was on the same page, mentors and mentees, every time mm-hmm. about responsibilities and expectations, a lot of these issues, I mean, what a great evaluation, what a great experience, or a, a lot better experience, rather than assuming that everyone knows I've been mentoring, so I, I, I know, I have these set of assumptions, so I will behave as I've always behaved, and perhaps skipping and jumping over things and not realizing that, oh, oh, in this particular instance, this mentee is not, we're not on the same page here with responsibilities and expectations. And then flipping Mm. it around, the mentee saying, well, I don't know what's going on here. I've never been a mentee before. I'll just Mm -hmm. do whatever without Mm -hmm. recognizing these, these very specific dancing, the waltz of responsibility, expectation on both sides. I think that so points to uh, a contract, if you will, be it Mm -hmm. formal or minimally informally, that everybody, those dyads start from this framework of understanding versus jumping into an assumption. Well, you're a postdoc, so you've been through a doctoral program, so clearly you must know how to be a mentee. Wrong assumption. Mm. Or mm. You're, a men- you're a funded mentor. You've got grants and R01, so you must be a good mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, all these assumptions we tend to make. And then sometimes we get in those vicious cycles as opposed to what you're suggesting, which would be nurturing this virtuous cycle. I love it. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.